Hallelujah. Got your Bible with you? And you don't want to go to war without a sword, right? Turn in your Bible over to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. Hallelujah. You know, one of the things we're doing with the money you give, I've already authorized it, it's just in the works, is uh, you appreciate that parking lot out here. Anybody remember the days we walked up in the gravel parking lot? We were glad to do it too for a while. But God blessed us and we have a paved parking lot. Well, we really want to take care of that. So I've authorized the money to have it completely blackened and resealed. So rain can't penetrate it. We'll have it restriped. $5,200. It's all already paid for. Because we have a supply. And because you all are so faithful and so generous. And so we're, uh, we're looking forward to that. We are going to be receiving uh, a special offering. We're believing for 65 $100 gifts. Right? Uh, so that we can completely put down brand new carpet. Amen. Get that installed uh, from right here all the way to the back. And uh, it's going to be wonderful. And uh, so anyway, uh, all those, you can grab one of those envelopes. If you want to do a 200, 300, grab three of them. Right? Whatever. And uh, all the money shall come. Amen. So we're excited about it. Bow your heads. Let's pray. Father, we just approach your word with great gratitude. Father, we uh, just uh, didn't seem too long ago. Father, we were facing a lockdown and a quarantine and a government that said you can't do it. And Father God, you've opened it up. You've blessed us. We can gather. And we're so grateful to be able to gather together in the name of Jesus and to know according to the strength and authority of God's Word, your Word, that Jesus is in the midst by the Holy Ghost. And so, Father, we, can, we just thank you for speaking to us. Speak to every heart. I thank you, Father God, that we're all making changes. Uh, as we can see the finish line, God, we're accelerating. We're making adjustments. We're getting things right. And we're being, we believe, we want to be more fruitful for you with the time we have left than we've ever been before. I just so thank you for your goodness and love to be communicated uh, through me today. Uh, that's just in a perfect way that communicates exactly your heart and what you're wanting said, and that we're all ready to receive it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, amen. Praise God. You know, I have people out there, God bless them, and just really want me to be a reactionary preacher. You know, you need to get up and say this, you need to get up and say that. I, I'm not out, I'm not, it's not my job as a man of God. I'm not a politician. Y'all know that, Ryan. I'm not a politician. It's not my job to get up behind this pulpit and react to everything you see on the news and everything going. The world is crazy. The world's jacked up. It's dark. I mean, it was, this is the first clue you got about that, right? So I just, I'm not going to get in a mode of doing that. Right? My job is to feed the flock the Word of God. To speak the truth in love. And that's what we're going to do. Amen? Because that's what we need. You know, I could get up and rail on everything that I think is wrong and bad, but you'll agree with me probably and we'll leave here frustrated. <laughs> right? The Bible said it's going to get darker and darker in the world. Stop being shocked. I know, I do, I do. I'm just like, if I watch, I get disturbed, heartbroken, distraught, angry. 
I want to go clean my weapons, and I want to go buy more ammo, and sometimes I do. <laughs> then I have to back off and get in the Word. Amen? And uh, we're going to continue talking about the end times this morning. And, but for us, see, the, the doctrine of the end times, what Jesus said about the signs of the end of the age, what we are now witnessing, what we are about to experience is not to scare you. Right? It's not to disturb you. It is meant by Jesus to cause you, sweetheart, to lift up your head, to realize how much God loves you, all that God has in store for you, and to motivate you, if necessary, to make the necessary changes. Because look, guys and gals, we're going to see Jesus here. (laughs) I don't know that I believe that. It really doesn't matter what you believe. It's not like God's going to go, oh, wait, 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 wait. You know, they don't believe. So you can't come. No, the Lord's going to come. And there's going to be a big segment of people out there going to be shocked. And going to be taken aback. And going to be, you know, in anguish. And they'll be full of shame. And then many of them are going to have to endure seven days, uh, seven years of hell on earth like you have never seen before. But see, that's not supposed to be the case for you and me. Amen. Amen. And so I'm approaching uh, last week and I approached, I'm going to do it again this week, approaching the teaching of the end times really based on what does the Bible teach and say that Christians will experience at the time of the end, right? And hopefully to show you and just exhort you, And say some things to you so that you can know and understand how close we are to the rapture of the church. To the catching away of the church. Part of me will be surprised if I make it to the end of the sermon and we're not caught away. I mean, we are so close. Amen. Amen? Amen? Now, if there's something that strikes a chord of fear and dread in you, amen, That's probably an indicator that there's something in your life that you need to get fixed, that you need to get changed. And that is what one of the things the Lord is so emphasizing with His church right now, amen, Amen. is make the changes. You know, if uh, I, uh, (laughs) nothing to brag or boast about, I mean, really there's not, but I, you know, I did run track in high school. I primarily did it to stay in shape for basketball season, and I am a slow person. And uh, so I'm kind of long-legged and lanky, and just not, speed is not my thing. So they always put me on the endurance stuff. And so I did the two-mile, and I did the two-mile relay. Well, when you run the two-mile, it's basically you're running eight laps around a quarter-mile track as fast as you can for eight laps. But I'm telling you, when you come around the final turn and you hit the final straightaway on the eighth lap, you know what you're not thinking? I think I'll quit now. If you made it that far, you're certainly not thinking about stepping off and having a cup of tea. When you see the finish line, I mean, you've gone this far and now you finally have the line in view, the tape. What do you do? You go faster. You dig deep, right? You gather up all that remains in your reserve tank and you leave it all on the track. You accelerate into the finish. Listen, as we see, as I talk to you about some of the things that ought to show you, my God, we are not three miles out. I mean, we are on the home stretch of this thing. 
it's not supposed to discourage you and it's certainly not to you know inspire you to quit and give up but to gather all that you are forget the past flush the sin get right with God put him first get your family in the church on course serving God and be more fruitful in the time you have left than you ever have been before right hallelujah oh praise God And so the title of my message today is The Great Escape. The Great Escape. And uh, in Matthew 24 and here in Luke 21, uh, the gospel writers, Matthew, uh, Matthew and Luke, they record a private conversation that the disciples had with Jesus, asking Him questions, of course I know you know this, about the signs of His coming and of the signs of the end of the age. Now, your Bible might say the end of the world, and if you've you know, watched Hollywood movies and, you know, and all this, you know, the Bible really never does say that the world, the planet will cease to be. The word world in the Greek that that was originally written in is aeon, which means eon, which is translated age or time frame. Mm -hmm. So what the disciples really asked Jesus, they didn't say, when's the planet going to cease to be? You know, when's the asteroid going to hit and all life on that? That's not going to happen. Aren't you glad? Okay. Fine to watch the Hollywood movie, but it's just not going to happen. Okay. I'm not, I'm talking about the kind of extinction level event that, you know, all that's left on the planet is dust. You know, the Bible never speaks of that. So that's a misnomer. Does that comfort you a little bit? But the, the time frame, the age, now what do they mean by the time frame or the age? Well, the age of man, the, the age of government, uh, man's government on the earth, not ruled by the Messiah. You do realize, if you, I know a lot of you, most of you, if not all of you, are not of Jewish descent. Uh, you don't practice Judaism. And so these people were Jews, right? And from we little, what they were looking for is an earthly king, a Messiah that set, restores Israel to its covenant place, ruled by a Messiah on earth. That's what they're expecting. And so that's what Jesus is talking about. Now, when, when they asked him, what will be the signs of thy coming? Don't make the mistake of thinking rapture. Okay? Because they didn't know anything about a rapture. God used Paul primarily to bring the revelation of the rapture of the church long after the resurrection of Jesus. So when the disciples said, as a Jew, looking for a Messiah to come and set up an earthly kingdom in Israel, amen, when are you coming? That's what they mean. What you have to do, and I'm going to prove this to you today, is for for the timing of the rapture, you have to take, so if we're that close to the coming of the Lord that they mean the literal second coming of Jesus back to the earth to set up His earthly kingdom, you got to back up seven years ahead of that to get to the rapture of the church, which means we're even closer than what these signs are going to be indicating. And so we don't have time uh, to read uh, a lot of these scriptures in Luke 21, but you ought to read virtually the, the whole chapter. Um, praise God. But let's pick it up in verse 22, and it says, For these will be the days of vengeance, that all things that are written... Uh, will be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child and to them that are breastfeeding in those days, for there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. Now this phrase here is not referring to a coming day, 
This is, this is referring to, for us, a historical event, the destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple, which occurred in 70 A.D. That's a long time ago. Amen? And he's warning them that that's going to happen. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and they shall be led captive into all nations. Now, at the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple in 70 A.D., there has not been temple worship by Jews since then. And the Jewish nation have been scattered to the four winds of the earth into virtually every nation. We have a thriving Jewish community here in the United States. They have been scattered into all the nations. Why were they judged? Why was their temple destroyed? Why was their city destroyed? Why were they scattered? Because they broke covenant with God. Not a good idea to break covenant with God. You want to have scattering all over your life? Break covenant with God. God's a covenant keeper. You and I need to strive to be a covenant keeper. Amen. I could preach on that, but I've got other things to do. Don't have time to meddle with that. Amen. And uh, so for since 70 A.D., Israel ceased to be a nation. Usually, history tells us nations, once they are conquered and the nation is no more, they are never reborn. But the Bible prophesied that Israel would in one day, in a single day, that the nation of Israel in the last of the last of the last days would be reborn. Y'all know when that happened? In 1948. In 1948, the unthinkable happened. Israel was born again as a nation in a single day. Amen. And here, I hadn't read the words yet, Jesus talked about that as one of the major prophetic signs. When you see that, come on, you know that you are in the time of the end. Listen, my dad is, I think, 76 years young. He was born in 43. So this has been a little while for us. But it's one of the greatest prophetic miracles of all of human history. So look at it. He says, uh, they shall fall by the edge of the sword. They shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles for how long? Until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So you have to do the math, but 1948 minus 70, whatever number of years that is, that's how long that Jerusalem, well, really it was longer than that because Jerusalem wasn't made the capital of the new Israel until 1967. They fought a six-day war. I'm just so excited about our Israel trip. If you're still thinking about going, I have slots available, you need to go. It's just going to be awesome to be able to see some of these things. So we have the rebirth of Israel as a nation in a single day, fulfilling one of the most remarkable prophecies of all the Bible. And then he says, uh, talking about signs of his return, that Jerusalem's going to be trodden down by Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Well, in 1967, Israel got Jerusalem back. The time of the Gentiles has been basically over. We're living on borrowed time right now. And then it says there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. And if you've been paying attention to the blood moons and all the cosmic signs and the sun-clothed woman, it would just boggle your mind what has happened on the earth in the last four years or so to try to let everybody know, amen, that, we, that Jesus is coming back. 
I mean, the Bible talks about throughout the Old Testament that there's going to be an exodus greater than what happened in Exodus out of Egypt. Amen. God, in that first exodus, He took about 3 million people max, Hebrews, out of the nation of Egypt and put them in their own land. But then they blew it. But now they have their land restored. They have their capital and the Bible prophetically talks about a second exodus coming out of the nations, the regathering of Israel. And then once they're regathered in the land, the Bible is so explicitly clear that generation will not pass away until all of these things are done. Amen. I understand that in the 80s, in the late 80s, the Bible talks about a group of Jews coming out of Ethiopia in a supernatural way back into the land. And an American criminal... So what this one message, John knows what I'm talking about. Uh, he was a rich guy. He was flee, he'd fleed U.S. jurisdiction for living in Europe, but he paid $30 million to have a, how many C-130s? I don't know how many C-130s. In one day they flew 18,000 Ethiopian Jews out of Ethiopia and dropped them in Israel. They had like 18 babies born on the plane. They didn't know whether to call them Ethiopians or Israelites. They said just call them airborne. That was the joke I heard on the message John passed. It was just so rich. There's been this supernatural regathering of Israel. And if you're paying attention to your Bible, I know many of you, you don't get that deep in the weeds. But it's a sign. It's a sign. You know our, our Tom Sawyer, is that his name? You know, the poet, the guy, he went to Israel about 100 years ago. And he said, this land's so barren, so desolate, you couldn't grow nothing here. It is bad. It's terrible. This is a wasteland. This is a land forsaken by God. But the Bible prophesies that just before the return of the Lord, right, that the deserts of Israel would blossom like a rose. Do you know today, we could go see it if you want to, Israel, which is a state the size of New Jersey, is feeding 90% of, of Europe's fruit comes out of Israel today. Oh, come on. They have learned. God has blessed them. They have figured out how to make the desert blossom like a rose, just like the Bible has long prophesied about. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming back soon. Then i got to tell this one that this really... I'm so glad John sent me this message from this preacher. I did fact check him and these things are true. I found the evidence of it. In the 1990s, there was a Jewish rabbi that was the equivalent of our Kenneth e. Hagin in Israel. And, uh, I mean, he was the rabbi of rabbis of the 90s. Well, he became a very old man and he wrote a note and he put it in an envelope and said, Do not open this until the one-year anniversary of my death. On the one-year anniversary of his death... This rabbi of all rabbis in Israel in the late 1990s, they opened up and read the letter, and to all of their shock and dismay, they said, I have accepted Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. He is Israel's Messiah. <laughs> Rocked the whole nation. And then he included a prophecy. He said, just before Messiah appears... Israel will not be able to form a stable government for a long season. When you see Israel ruled by two Benjamins, the Messiah is at hand, His appearing. Do you know today through all of the coronavirus and the scandals with Benjamin Netanyahu, Benjamin Netanyahu, who's been the longest standing prime minister in Israel's history, well, there was about three elections and this other candidate that kept... They kept tying, 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 tying. His name is 
Benjamin, well, they decided to form a co-coalition government. And right now today, Israel is being governed by two Benjamins. Oh, come on. Woo, Jesus is coming back. Come on, Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? Are you ready? <laughs> See, that's my point. He wants you to get ready. He wants you to be ready. Flush that sin. Flush that compromise. Flush that habit. Flush all those friends of yours that don't care anything about. Because the Lord's about to appear. I can't wait. I, I didn't know this, but I have fact-checked it, and it's true. The Bible does talk about that there is going to come a day where the Dead Sea will have fish in it again. And according to this minister, and I have fact because it's, it's legit, there are, dead, there are fish now swimming in the Dead Sea. When did they show up? 2018. Wow. Two years ago. <laughs> so there's prophecies that you've no doubt never paid attention to. Because I know you're busy. If you read a chapter in your Bible a day, you're doing pretty good, right? Amen. But if you feel like digging... There are treasures in here. God has not wanted this thing to be a surprise. The Bible said unto His people, the day of the Lord should not come to you as a thief in the night. Right. For we are not children of the night. We are children of the day. Yeah. Does this help you? Yeah. Woo, see, I'm excited. Now I know my daughter, my daughter wants Jesus to hold off. Because she wants to get married and... Listen, that generation's all going to give up something, but you've got to realize stepping over into heaven is going to be better than what you think you've got going on down here. <laughs> Go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Hey, we're doing good on time. Y'all okay? I feel wound up tight like last Sunday. Praise God. Hallelujah. What do we need to do? World Harvest Church, we need to accelerate. I've got prophecies in my binder where the Spirit of the Lord's come on my spiritual parents and said, in this leg of your race and your ministry, you need to go faster. I know the flesh wants to do, I mean, we're busy, we've got to go slow down, but God wants us to go faster. Because there's our, our sons and our daughters that are away from God, they need to come back to God, and we've got to help them come back to God. Paducah needs to be saved. Metropolis needs to have revival. Your county, wherever you live in, come on. Your co-workers, what about them? God loves them. I don't care how rotten they are. I don't care how mean your boss is. Jesus died for them. And before He comes... He wants everyone to get on the first boat out of here. You see, as we talked about last week, things on planet earth right before the time of the catching away of the church, the coming of the Lord, they are going to be dark in the world. They're going to be dangerous. They're going to be calamitous. It's going to be unstable. You could see it out there. It's becoming lawless. We have cities being taken over and the police won't do nothing. We have feckless, spineless leaders everywhere in the world. Anarchy is coming to town. It's all been prophesied in the Bible. Should it scare you? No. Lift up your head. This is just another one of these signs. I mean, it's just... All... Hallelujah. But it excites me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now, a lot of people today, it's just shocking. I don't know it's because we just reached so many years into the 2000s that people just gave up on the rapture. They just gave up on it. You know, because it didn't come and... You know, Y2K didn't work out, and, and so we just can't believe in the rapture anymore. And all of these fake Christian ideals trying to explain away 
the doctrine of the catching away of the church. It's just shocking to me how many of my dear friends have stood up in their pulpits and said, don't believe in the rapture anymore, sorry. I'm sorry, I, I just misled all these years. I didn't really realize that Schofield made it up and put it in his Bible and then everybody got it in their seminaries and we just kind of all absorbed it. No, I don't believe in the Bible because of, I don't believe in the rapture because of some commentary. I believe in the rapture because it's in the Bible. And so if you have another minute or so, I just want to show you from the Word of God the unequivocal biblical evidence that before the worst comes, there's going to be a great escape. That's another criticism I just want to head head on about, oh, you Christians, you ain't, you ain't you rapture people, you ain't got any backbone. You know, you don't want to go through the tribulation. It's just an escape theory for you. No, honey, it's not an, it is an escape. That's what the Bible calls it repeatedly. Oh, I'm sorry, you left Luke, didn't you? Stay where you are, because I told you I was wound up tight. All right. Could you guys just help me put up Luke 21, 36. You guys stay where you are in 1 Thessalonians. Aren't you glad you have a pastor who's at least interested and excited about what he's doing? <laughs> Glory to God. I couldn't wait to get here this morning. So this is what Jesus said. And we didn't read all the things that he said about the time of the end, cosmic sign, all these different things. You have to take that into account. But he says to his people, to his disciples, watch. Pay attention, right? Watch and pray always. What? Pray, pray what? What did Jesus say? It's right there. Pray that you may be counted. Some translations call it accounted or rendered. What? Worthy. Worthy to what? Escape. That's what Dora said in Finding Nemo. She would say escape. There is a great escape coming. Hallelujah. Amen. How many of these things does the Lord want us to be counted worthy to escape? All. all these things. Oh, I feel for our post-trib friends. Because all of our post-tribulation friends, they want to tell us we got to go through all these things. Well, Jesus said, be counted worthy that you will escape all these things. I feel sorry for our mid-trib friends. Because Jesus didn't say pray and be accounted worthy that you escape half these things. Hello? Am I making fun a little? A little bit. People have come to me and said, you cannot be so dogmatic about what you believe about the end time. So I said, why not? It's in the Bible. Right. Amen. Can I be dogmatic about, you know, uh, that uh, John 3.16? Can I be dogmatic about that? I mean, that God so loved the world, gave so Can I be dogmatic? Yeah, but you can't be because other people think different. I don't care what other people think. I care about what I can prove from the Bible. <laughs> and we are going to escape how much? All these things. Now, hey, you have to be accounted worthy. Remember what I taught you last week from the Greek? Out of these scriptures in, uh, let's read them. In a Thessalonians, Paul writing to Christians, hallelujah, beginning in verse 15, Paul said, uh, for this we say unto you, how? By my opinion? No, we say this by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain, we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord, hallelujah, 
will in no means prevent or go before or precede them who have died or have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself, this is not Schofield's opinion or commentary. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. I think it's interesting we have a president whose last name is, wouldn't it be awesome if during a period of time that we have a president with the last name Trump, that the Trump, would God be that hilarious? He might be. Hello. Hallelujah. And with the trump of God, and the dead shall in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are, he used the exact same phrase, we which are alive and remain shall be what? Now, if you have to cut your finger and write in blood, mark the word caught up. Not really. Highlight it. Take note of it. Caught up together. Where? The preterists want to say this word caught up means we're going to have a moment of ecstasy. We're going to have a spiritual experience with the Lord. We are going to have a spiritual experience with the Lord. In the air. Where? In the air. The Greek word for air means literally. You ready? It doesn't mean a spiritual atmosphere. It means earth's lower atmosphere. We are going to have an encounter and experience with the Lord in the earth's lower atmosphere. <laughs> I hope we're above United Flight, whatever, you know. But what are we reading here? Are we reading the Bible? Amen. We shall be caught up together with them. Now, how do we know this is not just a spiritual experience? He just said that the dead in Christ are going to be resurrected and taken physically, bodily. If there's a Christian out there that doesn't preach and say that that is a bodily, physical, literal resurrection of the dead, in, that you're like your grandma and your grandpa and brother Bill and other people, that my mom, dead in Christ, then they are a heretic. They don't have a different opinion. They are a heretic. They are to be not paid attention to, not legitimized as someone who has a different interpretation. If they're not going to believe that literal, easy to read context of Scripture. So right on the heels of this literal bodily resurrection of the dead in Christ, their bodies, boom, changed, glorified, out of the grave, right on their heels, those of us who are alive and remaining shall be caught up. It's just funny to me how they want to spiritualize this to make it fit their little weird theory. I pray God helps them. I'm not mad at them. I'm mad at the deception they propagate. Robbing the body of Christ of a living hope. Titus, speaking of the rapture, he called it the glorious appearing. The hope of the glorious appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll not rob you of that hope. It is going to get darker out there. It is going to get more dangerous. But before the worst shall come, we are going to escape if we're, credit, we're counted worthy to escape. Are you with me? Hallelujah. We shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the lower atmosphere. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Oh, come on. Can I read this to you from Rick Renner's 
His own, the way he would translate this, I, I told you last week, he's a very learned uh, Greek scholar. Let me just read how he would interpret these verses. I think you'll like it. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will descend. Uh, praise God. No, I have to back up to verse 15. Those who are physically alive and have survived everything. I'm talking about the remaining remnant of believers that will still be around at the time of the coming of the Lord. That living and surviving remnant will not precede those who have already died. Verse 16. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven to take charge (laughs) with a mighty military command to arouse the saints to take charge and galvanize God's troops to action. And along with that command, precisely at the time, will also be heard the immense voice of an archangel along with the blast of God's war trumpet to signal the final battle, ultimate victory, and the vanquishing of all of God's enemies is about to occur. That war trumpet blast with the indication that God's enemies have lost their footing and He reigns victorious and supremes over everyone, every situation, over every realm, total victory. And exactly when that war trumpet sound goes forth, the dead in Christ will immediately stand upright on their feet as they are resurrected to a brand new resurrected royal status. This resurrection will take place as a first priority before the next sequence of events takes place. Verse 17. At that very moment, exactly then, at that exact synchronized moment, those who are still physically alive and who have survived everything... I'm talking about the remnant that will be left and remaining at this time, caught up together. Listen, they will be caught, seized, not sneezed, seized, snatched away, suddenly snatched out of imminent danger. Just in the nick of time. As the Lord instigates a divine rescue operation to transport them into the clouds to join those who have been resurrected. There in the air's lower atmosphere where the Lord has descended to meet them, those who were raised from the dead and the remnant who were supernaturally snatched out of danger together will encounter the Lord together. And at that encounter, the Lord will roll out the red carpet to give the new arrivees a royal reception to match the VIP status He knows they deserve. Then after that, we will always and always and at all times forevermore be with the Lord. (laughs) Then verse 18, which he did not translate here, Paul said, wherefore scare the crap out of each other with these words. (laughs) No, forgive my French, sorry. Is this about fear for God's people? Is this about dread for God's people? No, come on, this is a glorious moment. But you have to be alive physically. But you have to be spiritually vibrant. You have to be part of the remnant. Jesus said, when I come back, will I find the real faith on the earth? Will I come back and find you holding to the real, genuine, uncompromised Word of God? Out there today... There's a lot of crowds, a lot of things done in the name of the Lord, in the banner of the Lord. 
And they drink and they smoke and they carouse and they party and they have women on the side and they do all kinds of things and it's not holy and it's not right and it's not God. And they have compromised. There's a culture of compromise in the seeker-sensitive, user-friendly, make-it-casual church world out there. Jesus is going to rapture, catch away a remnant. Are you with me? Do you have five more minutes so I could give you a wonderful thought as we close? <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, Paul didn't write in chapter and verse, did he? No. He just, he just, he just uh, wrote in a letter and we divided it up. Look at chapter 5, verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, now the day of the Lord, let me help you there. It's not a reference to the rapture. It's, it's not really a, fully a reference to the second coming. It is a reference to a short period of time we call the tribulation where God's wrath and anger and judgment is going to be poured out on those that have remained, those that have disobeyed, those who have rejected the gospel. That's the period called the day of the Lord. Right? You have to know these terms. Now, if you have your marker there, follow me here. This is wonderful. It'll help you. It'll bless you. It'll, it'll encourage you. Paul says, for when we say peace and safety, or what does it say? When they, when they, the they is not the church. When the unbeliever, when the heathen, when the apostate, when the compromised ones, when the sinners, when they say peace and safety, guess what? Sudden destruction comes upon, does it come upon us? Are we going to get blasted? We're going to get destroyed? No. It says it's going to come upon them. Not you, believer. Not me. Them. As travail upon a woman with child, you know how they just, whoop. i got to get to the hospital. i got to get to the hospital right now. Travail has come upon the woman. Right? And then what does it say? Last part of verse 3. And they shall not escape. If it says they shall not escape, Rex, what is being implied? That we shall. Come on, give me a fist bump for that. Come on, is there, a, is there an escape before the day of the Lord? Hallelujah. Isn't it good to know you're not going to be here when the locust judgment comes? Right? And when hailstones bigger than SUVs start falling out of the sky, like Revelation talks about, guess what? You will have escaped all these things. When sudden destruction comes upon the world for their systematic rejection of God and His authority, you and I who have accepted His authority... I'm not talking about, yeah, a long time ago as a little boy, I, I said a sinner's prayer, and I, based on that I'm going to escape all... No. Are you living... Are you alive? Are you vibrant? Are you holding to the faith? If not, you have a, it's 12.08 p.m. on June 14th, 2020. You have a chance right now to say, count me worthy. From this moment on, I'm going to start living for God. I'm going to get more serious about my faith. <laughs> That's what he wants. He's not mad at anybody. But don't, do you see here an escape? This is just awesome. Okay. Hallelujah. Do you guys have my slides? Remember I told you pay attention to that phrase, caught up? That's the Greek word harpazo. 
That's what Paul said. He didn't say caught up. He didn't say rapture, obviously. He said the church shall be harpazoed. That's what he said in the Greek. You don't speak Greek. What does that word mean? They have that slide with the meaning. Put that up there. We just got another minute left. Please hang with me, okay? I, I know we get hungry and we say, I, I've been sitting here a while and y'all, y'all been listening really good. Okay, could you throw that? Is that going to work? It'll, it'll come up in a moment. Here are uh, translations for the Greek word harpazo. Carried off, caught away, forced, glorification. Uh, I want you to see this. It comes from a Greek word, harpazo, which means a quick or sudden or often violent physical snatching away or a catching away of a person or a thing. Each time it is used in the New Testament, it, everyone say always. Every time you see the Greek word harpazo used, how many times? All, I invite you to check me out. Check me out. You don't have to take my word for it. Check it out. Strong's Bible Concordance. It always refers to a physical removal of a righteous man from one place to another. See, people who don't believe in the rapture, the catching away of the church, they are off the word. They are all, I'm not giving you a commentary. I'm giving you the Greek word Paul used. Now, in the next slide, I have a sample scripture where the word harpazo is used. So go to that next slide. Here in Acts chapter 8, verse 39, I know, I know uh, Brother uh, Kamal over there, the evangelist, he's believing for this probably. Uh, it says, now, Philip had uh, ministered to the eunuch on the chariot, and he got him born again, and got him baptized in water. And so that, that moment's done. It says, now when they, Philip and the eunuch, came up out of the water where he baptized this guy, the Spirit of the Lord caught away, or the Greek word is harpazo. Everybody want to give that a go? Harpazo. The Greek word is harpazo, Philip, away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. If you read more of that context, do you realize what happened to him? He was snatched out of that moment and put in a different city. Shoom! Shoom! How's that for travel? No more... I mean, business class is great. Business class is great to go to India or Israel. But listen, God's got a better way. Zoom! Zoom! We're talking talking Star Trek. Beam me up, Scotty is a guy. God came up with the idea, guys and gals. That's what this Greek word means. And it happened to Philip. Shoom! Shoom! No jet lag. Oh, come on. Let's give another slide where you have an example of where harpazo happened. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 2. Paul, talking about himself, said, I know a man. He's talking about, it's me. In Christ, who 14 years ago, now get this, whether in the body or out of the body, is just so real I couldn't tell. Was I in my body or I'm having a spiritual experience? I can't tell. Whether or not I was out of the body, I do not know. God knows such a one was harpazoed to the third heaven. He went, God went, shoo, and put him in heaven, and he saw things, and he heard things. Look at the fourth verse. How he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. He was what? He was harpazoed. Did I have one more? 
Did I have Acts chapter 1? Okay. I love this one. This is going to drive the nail home. It's probably already driven, right? We're going to drive it deeper. We're going to sink this nail. This is talking about Jesus. Uh, he was resurrected. He spent 40 days and nights with him in his resurrected body, teaching him, and now it's time for him to what? To ascend to the Father's right hand. Many hundreds of witnesses witnessed Jesus' bodily departure to heaven. This verse talks about it. Acts 1, 9 and 10. Now when he, Jesus, had spoken these things, while they watched, <laughs> he was taken up. The Greek word is harpazo. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, the angels had to go, hey guys. You know there's going to be a lot of people on earth when we are harpazo, they're going to be going, where'd he go? Just talking to that guy who was witnessing to me. Where'd he go? They were, we are going to be do you get the meaning, the use? Yes. Oh, come on. Amen. Come on. Let's, let's close. Let's close right here in 2 Thessalonians. Oh, come on. Is there a rapture? Is there a, if you don't want to call it rapture because the word rapture is not in the Bible, I could give you all the history of that, but I won't right now. I'm hungry too. Just say, I believe in a pre-tribulation escape called the Harpazo. Right. <laughs> what? You'll look real scholarly. That word means to pluck. It means to pull. It means to rapture. It means to seize. It means to snatch away. It means a sudden, supernatural, violent, unimaginably fast and violent physical removal. Oh, hallelujah. Okay, so we're going to just read this passage and give you another thing to shout about. And then if you need to make changes, amen. Hallelujah. We invite you to make a decision. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul, writing to this same group, says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the what? By the coming. Now, if you want in your Bible so you think right about this, this means bodily second coming. He actually reverses the order in the sequence of events. Because the next thing's going to actually happen first. But Paul is, is writing, he says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and, which means something, not the same, but something in addition, the what? Our gathering together unto Him. Where is Him? Well, right now He's in heaven at the Father's right hand, but He's going to take a step towards us, and we're going to take a step towards Him. And we'll meet in the lower atmosphere. I hope the space station's out of the way. Hallelujah. God will get it all worked out. But do you see he's talking about two events? The coming of the Lord. Our gathering together unto Him. That's the rapture verse. That's the catching. That's the harpazo moment. Concerning these things, again, does he say, tremble in fear? No, the exact opposite. He said, see to it that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled. Don't be troubled by those mid-tribbers. Don't be troubled by those post-tribbers. And if you're a mid or post-tribber, God bless you. That's all right. We'll see you on a second or third wave. I might save a seat for you at the banquet hall, praise God. 
I'm out of here on the first wave. Don't be soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit. You know, a, a spirit could try to get you off in your thinking. That's why I'm taking time to teach you these things. Or by a word, some goofy somebody saying something. Nor by letter. As from us, what had happened to them? Someone sent these Thessalonian Christians a letter and signed Paul's name and told them the rapture already happened and you missed it. So he's having to write this second letter to simmer down. Amen. Look at verse 3, something we've been talking about a lot. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day... Now what day? We don't really know yet, but it'll become evident. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. Mm -hmm. That word falling away is the Greek word apostasy, apostasia, where we get the word apostasy. And it does mean a riot or a revolt, right? Uh, we talked about the end time departure from the faith. That could apply here, but theologians tell me there's a different and separate and secondary meaning that also fits. It means a sudden defection or departure. And the Greek scholars I read after say you have to, on the Greek word apostasia, you have to get the context to get figured out, is it a revolt against faith or is it a sudden defection or a removal, a departure? Well, I won't be dogmatic here, okay? You decide for yourself. I believe it's a reference to a sudden defection, a departure that must come before this day shall come. So let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that the son of the excuse me, the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. That's a reference to the Antichrist, okay? And then it describes him. I'll try to save some time here. Now look at verse 5. Remember you not when I was with you? I told you these things? Think about what we just read in 1 Thessalonians about the rapture and the catching away of the church. And now you know what withholds. Do you, do you guys have a Bible that says something different? Yeah, that's a better word. And now you know, because Paul told them earlier, what withholds or restrains that he, the Antichrist, might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity does already work. Only he who now letteth or restrains will let, will restrain until he be taken out of the way. Come on, so closure's coming, but listen, sweetheart, you don't have to be concerned about all that they're talking about on Facebook, about the Antichrist is here. And he's going to chip you. And he's going to force you with a vaccine. And they're going to tattoo you. And they're going to be a mark of the beast. Listen, he can't even be revealed. He cannot step onto the place of prophetic history until the restrainer is taken out of the way. Until there's a falling away first. Until there's a defection. Until there is a sudden departure. Why? Because as long as that restrainer is restraining in the earth, he cannot step on the scene. So the big debate in theological circles for centuries is what did Paul mean by the restrainer? Who is the restrainer? 
Well, back in that day, many thought it was the Roman Senate because they believed that Nero was the Antichrist. He wasn't, though. They thought it's the Roman Senate holding back Nero. They didn't hold him back very much. So it wasn't him. Other people believe it's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Spirit. It cannot be the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not going to be taken out of the earth at the time of the rapture. You read Revelation, people are going to be born again. Mass revival, you can't get born again without the Holy Ghost. So it can't be the Holy Ghost. Some people say, well, it's the Father God. Well, it's not the Father God. Why would you think it's the Father God? What is it? It is the church. It is the church. It is the true church, the remnant, the body of Christ. The Bible says, Jesus said, upon my rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The Antichrist cannot even reveal himself. He can't come on the scene because I'm here, because Tony is here, because Kathy is here, because Debbie is here, because there's a body of Christ on the earth that's got authority over all the power of the devil so that nothing by any means shall hurt us. That's a scripture. And that will always be true as long as we're here on the planet. And so there's going to be a defection. There's going to be a sudden departure. We who are restraining the evil. Can you imagine what the earth would be like without the church right now? Without the prayers, without the intercession, without the preaching, without the gospel? How dark it would be? Come on. But, but, so for the, in order for the Antichrist to even come by out behind the veil and reveal himself, you have to be taken. That is such strong evidence for a pre-tribulation rapture. Now, it doesn't mean I think you ought to take the chip. It doesn't mean I think you ought to bow down to some image. Do what you want to about a vaccine, but I'm not taking their little cocktail full of aborted feces and, you know, aborted... You do that if you want to, but I have the great physician. <laughs> I'm not worried about the coronavirus. You might think I'm making light, but I have a healer. I don't have time to go down. Anyway. But were you encouraged today? Yes, the, the, the stage is being set from the world's perspective to embrace a lawless leader. The culture is heading that way. My personal opinion about that Greek word apostasia is that two things can be true at the same time. There's also, there is an apostasy of faith going on, but at the same time, he can't come until we're snatched out of here. And so, hallelujah. You know, I have a big stack of papers here, and in that stack of papers, I have more than 10 Bible independent facts of evidence that I can prove to you. For me, I can be dogmatic that there is a rapture and that it's pre-tribulation. I love people who think different. That's fine. But I'm convinced. And I want to be counted worthy. I'm determined. I'm going to live for the uncompromised. I'm going to stand for the uncompromised Word of God no matter what other preachers do, no matter what other believers do. How about you? Come on, I'm offering you a sign-up sheet for the remnant church.
The church that Jesus is going to catch away. Come on. Anybody going to be part of that? You got to stay with it. You can't quit. You can't abandon your faith. You can't join the culture of compromise. Come on, you got to be with it. You got to stay with it. Amen. Well, let's bow our heads. Out there with me in the online setting, bow your heads where you are. Father, in the name of Jesus.